You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Be Humane with Dr. Robin Ganser. So thrilled that all of you have joined us today for an incredible, exciting conversation with my good friend, Carolyn Hennessy. You know Carolyn Hennessy as an incredible animal advocate. She's even rescued elephants, and certainly she's been an advocate for animals in zoos and aquariums around the world. What I love about Carolyn is her passion for animals, but I know you also know her because she's one of the most amazing actresses out there. You have probably seen her in The Terminator. I know you've seen her on the Disney Channel. I'm sure you've seen her in General Hospital, and I know I loved her in True Blood, and I loved her in Cougar Town. She's done so many incredible, incredible roles and in incredible shows. She also has a beautiful radio show called Animal Magnetism. This woman is a powerhouse, and we're going to have an incredible conversation in just a few minutes. As we get ready to go into our conversation with Carolyn, I just wanted to take a moment and to thank everyone for tuning in to the Hero Dog Awards this year. The Hero Dog Awards is my favorite night every year of television where we get to celebrate eight amazing heroes on both ends of the leash. And I know for those of you that weren't not able to tune in to this year's show, I know that you've missed something so special. And I'm going to invite you to visit our Hero Dog Awards site so you can see each of the eight video tributes to our eight amazing and inspirational finalists. And as we all say every year, may the best dog win. It's an incredible night. And thank you for those who joined us. And if you weren't able to join us, please do visit HeroDogAwards.org. Again, on behalf of all of us at American Humane, thanks for supporting our life-saving work. We're going to be back with you just in a few minutes to welcome Carolyn Hennessy to our show. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Are you confused by the overwhelming number of supplements for your dog? Developed by a veterinarian, Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver is designed to address many of the common problems your dog faces today, including allergies, inflammatory diseases, arthritis, hip dysplasia, geriatric problems, and more. Restore and maintain your dog's health with Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver. Order two bottles today and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Visit Canine System SystemSaver.com. To get this special offer, enter coupon code RS20 at checkout. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. We're here 
with Carolyn Hennessy. I tell you, friends, you are going to love my wonderful friend, Carolyn. She is amazing. I've mentioned to you her remarkable and inspirational background as an actor, an author, Emmy-nominated, and of course in True Blood, which was one of my favorite roles that she's done, but my mother has loved her in General Hospital, so we argue over which she's better, and my mother always wins, Carolyn, because I'm a very smart daughter. You're, a, <laughs> you're I, an incredibly smart daughter, very. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But Carolyn, I'm so glad to welcome you to this week's episode of Be Humane. Thank you so much much for it joining. Is absolutely my pleasure to be here, Robin. And I don't think I knew, in addition to everything else that AHA does, which is nothing short of miraculous, I don't think I knew that you also had a radio show. Because, you know, I've got mine, and you were so gracious to guest on that, and now I'm guesting on yours. It's sort of quid pro quo. I love this. <laughs> well, I love it, too. We just try to, every week, uh, you know, about 40 weeks in the year, we try to just devote uh, some time with our friends and our constituents and just share with them what we're doing through the Pet Life Radio platform. And for us, it's a wonderful way to educate, I hope, and provide some wonderful points of view, which are so important regarding the humane movement. And I know you feel so very passionate about your work with animals, Carolyn. First of all, I just have to ask, any updates on the acting front? Because I know my mother wants to know, what are you doing (laughs) and what's going on? What's going on? Yes. Well, tell mom that she can rest easy because Diane Miller is going to be appearing a lot more on General Hospital. Yes. Yes. And and the Gilmore Girls, there's a reboot of the Gilmore Girls, which I am very lucky to be in. Yes. And uh, and I yes in indeed and I'm I've been shooting some feature films and I just shot a pilot for TBS called Business Doing Pleasure and it's a um, it's a very interesting look at a sort of redheaded stepchild of the entertainment world which is well never mind it's just it's, <laughs> it's a it's a fun it's a fun little romp let's just say that and when it gets closer to air air time I'll tell you more about it oh, I- but uh, but it's a lot of fun. Oh, that is so wonderful. And my mother will be dead, yeah. by the way. So thank you. I'll give her a little well, plug no. tonight. So it's great. Hey, hey to mom. I hey to sure. tell mom that Diane Miller says hello. Oh, good. <laughs> She's going to send a big hug up to you right now. I can tell you this is great. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, I love your Pandora series. I mean, most people would not know thank that you. you do this incredible book series. And you also pinned the New York Times bestseller, The Secret Life of Damien Spinelli. I mean, just which, amazing. Which your, which your mom. Mom will know will know that name, and all of your general hospital viewers out there will know that name. Yes, after after the success of my Pandora series, which is a series of seven novels for tweens, for girls and boys, really kind of targeted to girls, but girls and boys, roughly eight to thirteen. The higher ups at Disney Hyperion asked me to pen a fictional account of all the characters on General Hospital, all the characters in Port Charles, from the point of view of one particular character, Damien Spinelli, and so I uh, I took. 2010, 2011, and did that, and it came out, and yes, landed at number 10 on New York on the New York Times bestseller list. So I can put that on my tombstone. I New think York Times bestselling author. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot. You're going to have to an awfully big. By the way, you're not allowed to have a tombstone anytime soon. I'm so not I'm just saying that. No, we got you. Got a lot of work to do for the animals, which is why we invited you to join us today. And I want to share with all of our listeners today that Carolyn joined me on Capitol Hill in June this year to launch a groundbreaking program for animals in zoos and aquariums called our Humane Conservation Initiative. This was an incredible announcement meant for all kinds of wonderful animals, but most importantly, for those noble institutions that are saving species around the world and in doing it right by treating their animals with such 
incredible care. And Carolyn, I know you feel so passionate. Tell us what you thought about that day. Well, it just kind of reiterates, it sort of restamps in my brain why AHA is so far head and shoulders above the rest. Anything, any other, you know, of, of the national organizations with an H or an S or a P, you know, attached to their name, why AHA is is really the standard bearer. You're at the vanguard because for you, it's animals first. It's not lawyers and, you know, terrifying the populace with stunts and it's not bank accounts and advertising. It's animals first, period, mm-hmm. end of discussion. And the Humane Conservation Initiative, when I, when I was when I first learned of it, I had just, I think, shortly become, thank you so much, a, 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 an ambassador for AHA. And I learned of this and I really sort of delved into it and read all the materials that she sent me. And it's just, it's so simple. It's so simple and there's just no debate. All of these wonderful institutions that sign up for the pre-audit, which involves, yes, a bit of paperwork, and then the audit have to show that their enclosures now focus on what is best for the animal from the animal's point of view, not from the facility's point of view, not from the patron's point of view, even. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes, everybody wants to keep, wants to make money so that they can keep their doors open and keep the patrons coming in, but truly now, I think people are slowly starting to come around after sort of the uh, the radical activist onslaught that has been that's been occurring for so many years. People, I think, are now really starting to come around to the idea that these zoos and aquariums are the last bastions of hope for so many species, and the Humane Conservation Initiative is taking so many animal species and giving them what's best for them. Not mm-hmm. putting them on display as you know, as 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 you know, sort of these exotic creatures, and and you know, in these you know, I think back to the London Zoo and the days when you know kings and queens were presented with tigers and lions and things like that, and it's like this is no more, no more of that. So humane conservation initiative, it's just such forward thinking. It's right thinking. It's the thinking that you know, I think zoos and aquariums should have had now for so many, many years, probably ever since they started. But now we're getting to it, and AHA is a AHA is starting it. It's as simple as that. So I love it. <laughs> I'm, trying <laughs> to get the Los, I'm trying to get the Los Angeles Zoo. I mean, maybe you can't tell, but um, <laughs> I think the Los Angeles, I'm trying to get the Los Angeles Zoo, you know, to comply, to, to start their pre-audit. So oh, whatever wonderful. I can do about that. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, and I think it's so important you talk about this is really for so many species on Earth. This is their last uh, chance for uh, survival is through the incredible conservation efforts the top zoos and aquariums around the world are doing. And that's one reason we felt it was imperative for us to launch this. I just read something yesterday, Carolyn, that broke my heart. And it oh, was... I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Good, lay, lay it on me. I think I know. Go ahead. <laughs> Half of all species yep. will gone yeah. are you kidding me yeah. and yeah. it's such a crisis you know, <sighs> here and then today's news cycles are so you know so depressing about silly things in this election cycle nothing to do with what is so important in terms of the crisis that we're really facing and that is that as humans we have really done our world such an injustice by uh, causing such i think just a crime against these animals that are dying and now have we have so you know yeah. Half are gone, and by 2020, another third will be gone. By 2050, we may see the last. We may see the last elephant in the wild, if not before then. And yet, the media, 
the media mm-hmm. focuses. Well, certainly in this Roman circus that has been this election cycle, which has been exceptionally interesting but very depressing. Mm-hmm. And people like, you know, ice road truckers, no offense meant to the Kardashians, no offense meant. But, you know, these things that the news cycle focuses on, people who are just hungry to hear about their latest soap opera stars, seriously, or pop stars, or what's Justin Bieber done today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're hungry for, it, this, it caters to the mean population, to, to men's, I think, baser instincts, when everyone who's within the sound of your voice and my voice needs to understand that when the animals go, we go very shortly thereafter. And absolutely. you're absolutely right. What we have done to this planet is so far beyond reprehensible it's just despicable. We're, we're, we're despots lording over these, these amazing creatures because, again, we need them. They do not need us in any way, shape, or form except now. Now they need us because, you know, a statistic that I quote when I'm talking about life in the ocean is that 95% of all life in the ocean, all life in the ocean, lives in that two to five mile strip, two to five and possibly six mile strip that surrounds every continent. Not out in the deep water where it's safe and, you know, deep and they can dive, dive, dive. No, they're in this very, very shallow sort of narrow strip and we have so utterly polluted that with hypodermic needles and pharmaceuticals and human waste and condoms and you name it and it's there and they're swimming in it and so when organizations radical organizations say you know free everything just free everything let it back out into the wild there is no more wild there's no more nature that man has not screwed up so it's incumbent upon us to study these animals when we can save the ones we can and fix the problem fix the environment. Unfortunately, those of us out there trying to conserve and preserve and reinvigorate nature are fighting a losing battle because, and it's it's a very simple word, overpopulation. Mm -hmm. And we have too many people, honestly, on this planet that can in perpetuity self-sustain about 3 billion. And we're now at 7 billion, coming up on 7.5. In 2050, we're going to be 9. Where are the animals going to go? They've got no voice. And so it's true. It's up to organizations like AHA, again, at the Vanguard, to speak for them, to take care of them, and decry the activists who just want to say, well, you know, release everything, and if it dies, it dies, and that's nature's way. No. We have, mankind has so utterly twisted and perverted nature that we've got to get it back to its original state and I, you know, in order to be able to let anything back out in the wild. And I have no idea, honestly, how we're going to do that. So, yes, AHA with the Humane Conservation Initiative and and asking zoos to really look at animals from their, when what's best from their perspective. That's the only way that we're going to start making even a dent into this onslaught of humanity. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm so honored to be a part. But yes, it's almost like, Robin, I read that and I posted it on mm-hmm. Facebook and I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to go back to bed. I know. I, I know. just wanted to go back to bed and, you know, cry, cry some bitter tears and hug my animals and keep to hold them close. And, and, because uh, it's, what's the world that I'm leaving to my nephew? What is right. this world that I'm leaving to my nephew? So, so anyway, but we are, um, we're pedaling that bicycle very, very fast, aren't we? Right. We sure are. We yeah. sure are. Yeah. 
you know, we called Zeus the good Zeus and Aquarium's arcs of hope. And I think that's such a great arcs phrase. Of arcs of yeah. hope. That's what they are. And when we see this, you know, I think uh, it's for all of us humans. I think it's our homework assignment is to really study and understand what the sixth mass extinction really means. It is a right. moral crisis for us humans. You know, it's a moral and ethical imperative and a call to action. And I just don't see enough attention to it. And that breaks my heart every day. Couldn't agree with you more. Yes, it's not just a, it, there won't be simply physical repercussions, mm-hmm. health, a food crisis repercussions. There won't mm-hmm. simply be, you know, housing shortages and land shortage repercussions. It's a moral crisis. It absolutely is. Our collective moral compass when it comes to animals is pointing south. And again, I picture AHA as just trying to take that, you know, that, that hand of that compass and just sort of shove it north and do whatever we can do, whatever we can do to get to, because once people become aware, unless circumstances of their life have created individuals where you just can't get through to them, but when people become aware, I see, when I say, when I give certain statistics about, again, certain other radical organizations, they go, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. You're kidding me. Where did you get this? And I say, it's all right here. But you look at AHA and they say, wow, I'm not going to give my money now when I do give those funds to an organization that begins with a P or an organization that begins with an H. I'm going to give it to AHA because, again, you put animals first. So unless somebody has been just kind of warped as they get older, you can get through to them. People Mm -hmm. want to have, I think, a decent moral compass. They want to have perhaps even some remorse about the way they've they've treated animals in the past and now how can we do better going forward and that's all that it's about and it's about realizing and recognizing and growing and evolving as a human being and everybody, I think, I truly believe though that everybody has the capacity to do that. That's because you're a positive person and you believe in (laughs) (laughs) which is wonderful you have hope and I think I think we have hope because we're in the humane movement we wouldn't be the humane movement fighting for animals if we didn't have hope that the world could change and be better for them because I think if the world changes and better for them we're going to be better people well first of all if the world changes and is better for them we get to stick around we more than likely don't get to stick around and it's going to become you know maybe I've watched too many movies but it's going to become silent green you know it's really God's honest truth because when they go we're not far behind. We're mm-hmm. just not far behind. I mean, we can't sustain our lives without animal species. And I and my, one of one of my many animal mantras is it's all about how you care for what you wear and how you treat what you eat. Mm. Because again, and now we're getting into humane heartland, which I was thrilled to discover because I haven't brought non-humane factory farmed meat into my house in, I don't know how many years, but Humane Heartland, you, AHA, have a list of humane vendors. I think Butterball is one of them, and hello, right. hello Thanksgiving. You know, so we're coming up on season where we're going to be able, if, you, if we choose to, to eat turkeys that have been humanely treated and humanely, you know, and their lives have been humanely ended. So there are people out there, there are institutions and organizations out there that are treating animals humanely. Again, but we have to think about how we treat what we eat. And if we don't continue to really put put programs in place to sustain it, 
I mean, there aren't going to be any more cows, there aren't going to be any more pigs, and, and human beings are going to demand this. So it's all just an incredible tightrope walk and a balancing act. My mentor, Grace Stafford, who, who I know you know very, very well, a dear mm-hmm. friend to my show and, and to AHA, he told me something once many, many years ago that there are always three ways to tackle any crisis, mm-hmm. and that is pretend it doesn't exist, stick your head in the sand, mm-hmm. just kind of turn away and go and do something else, or have a great gnashing of teeth and weeping, weeping bitter tears and beating of the breast and you know pouring ashes on your head and all of that and just and decrying the situation. Or you can turn and face it head on and do that thing that is, you know, it's the right thing. Sometimes it's the most difficult thing in the world because the things yes. that you will see and the places that you'll go and the things you will learn about, you know, the nature of unevolved mankind. And it's, it's brutal. It's brutal to do to your soul. And sometimes you have to take a step back. But that's if everybody turned around and said, I need to tackle this problem head on. That's the only way that it's going to get solved. It's as simple as that. It's human will. That's right. We have to have the will to do that. I know that, were you just at the World Congress on Animal Welfare recently? I was not. I was at AZA, but I was not at, uh, yeah. So, you know what I think is so interesting is at the World Congress, there was a conversation about the vaquitas, the vanishing vaquita, the incredible porpoise that is now down to 60. 60. 60. Yes. And I hope that AZA covered this as well. It just was heartbreaking. And they shared the stories of NGOs spending 70 million U.S. dollars to save this population. Mexico went in and did government intervention and regulations. And yet the decline went from 150 down to 60 within this window of time. So their efforts were really unsuccessful. 70 million U.S. dollars and government intervention. And I was at that World Congress, and when they asked me to stand up and comment, my comment was this. We can throw all the money we want to at it. We can have all the government regulations. If we don't come together and have the human will, the commitment to making the difference, to making an intervention successful, we won't save these species. And I think the vaquita is an excellent example of a lot of money, a lot of government regulation too late and it's really too little too late and now we're down to 60 which isn't in my opinion a sustainable population it's no 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 it's not and this to me is this is the moment where a brilliant facility for instance like the sea world of let's say a year ago not the sea world of today but but the sea world of a year ago or or dolphinaris or delphinus can go in and take a sample of that population Put them in human care, treat, and again, with the, because I know Delphinus uh, is now has the uh, Humane Conservation Initiative seal. They do. So they would create a space for those animals from what's best from the animal's perspective. And because, again, those animals, those beautiful six, those 60 dolphins are living in a man made sewer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so. I say we take a sample of that population, we let them breed, we discover what it is that they're having to deal with and fight for and how their systems are reacting to this incredibly polluted water, and we try and fix that problem, and maybe we grow that population in an arc, in an arc of preservation, and someday we we might be able to release and release them back out when, when the water's clear or find a different spot where maybe mankind isn't so prevalent, but th- those are getting far, few and far between, and, and let that population thrive again. Because if we do nothing, if we don't take them into human care because we have so utterly screwed up their native water, the onus is on us. The onus is on us, period. The onus right. is on us. It's right. on us. 
it, you know, from the word go. But I think, <laughs> I think that now's the time to take some of these animals out of the wild and care for them and nurture them and let them propagate. And so that's what I would do if I were queen of the world, mm-hmm. which I am going to be someday. So, I, so, I hope so. I can't yeah. wait. We're going to, to nominate and vote for you to be queen of the world, oh, please. To be queen of the world. Well, <laughs> well, it's, it, listen, listen, you can't say this, but I can. The executions will continue around the clock for people <laughs> that, that abuse animals. It'll just be constantly going on and on. <laughs> oh, we're we're going to get rid of a lot of bad people who do a lot of bad things to animals. So, and, and animals and children. You know, are voiceless, are voiceless in society. It is quite sad what happens. I was in Hong Kong recently, and I wanted to share with you this one story. Much like the vaquita, it was a a special species of turtle that originated from Hong Kong. And these turtles have a beautiful golden head. And that golden Mm. head was so prized due to legend Mm. and lore for saving lives you know, virility, all sorts of different things. So the price tag, if you could catch and sell one of these turtles, they were worth 80000 U.S. dollars per turtle. So this man-made frenzy to capture these turtles from their natural habitat in Hong Kong has led to these being on the verge of extinction. It was a rescue group in Hong Kong about 15 or 20 years ago that took up this cause. And now they have an amazing facility that has kept this entire breed alive. And they told me when they shared with me this beautiful space where these turtles were, were you know, reproducing and they had a, a, enough of a DNA pool to keep these turtles, you know, sustainable population. They said to me, this was, I thought, such a beautiful place. And they said, wait, we have a moral issue. And I said, what's your moral issue? You've done the right thing. You've moral saved issue. the species. They said, our moral issue is we did this work and went into it so we could re-release them into the wild. But if we mm-hmm. do... This population will be gone within two years and all of our work over 20 years to say the species will be wiped out because they're still worth 80000 U.S. dollars mm-hmm. on the market if anyone can catch them. So again, mm-hmm. it goes back to that moral and ethical call to action that we have as humans to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And when we've got great mm-hmm. groups like this rescue group saving the species, they're faced with this horrible dilemma. Do we put them back in the wild or do we keep them and care for them? until we can ensure the wild is safe for them, which may not be in our lifetime. That's right. And to me, there's no moral dilemma there. There's no moral dilemma whatsoever. You are keeping them until it is safe, and then you are doing the morally right thing. Yes, they're not out in the wild, but they're also not being beheaded. They're also not being caught and killed. It's just astonishing to me. I look at China. Now, listen, the United States, if you talk, let's say, in terms of ivory, the United States is second in the world to importing illegal ivory, second to China. So we can't hold our heads up terribly high. But I look at China and I think this is the land that gave us Confucius, that gave us such extraordinary wisdom, that gave us some of these beautiful martial arts that, you know, you slow them down and it's, it's wonderful Tai Chi. They gave us ancient medicines from herbs and plants. And yet they still have the idea that rhino horn does this and elephants are simply meant to drop their ivory for them to have tchotchkes on their mantelpiece. And I think how can two such conflicting mindsets exist in one country? I don't get it. 
I honestly don't get it. And again, it's not simply China. It's much of Southeast Asia has this perception that, you know, a tiger penis is going to do this for you. And a rhino horn is going to do this. And a shark fin is going to do this for you. It's not medicinal. It's not nutritive. It's not, it's not going to make you a better this or that. It's not going to do a thing. None of these things are going to do anything but slaughter an innocent animal. It's like, come on, turtle head, not going to help, not going to help, not going to do it, not going to do anything for you, except add some really bad karma points to you, whether you know it or not. Just, well, you know, you're going to rack up some seriously bad karma points. Well said, Carolyn, well said. Oh, my goodness. Well, I tell you, this has been just a wonderful opportunity to share our opinions on saving species. And I think, again, it's one of our top crises uh, around the world. And I think it knows no boundaries. It's not just a U.S. issue. It's not a China issue. It's a European issue. It's our global citizen issue. We're we're born on this earth. Yes, we've got to step up and do the right thing. And I'm so glad it, it's that every you're continent, in our fight every with continent, this. yeah. I'll lead the banner wherever you tell me to. I will. I'll tap on the drums and play the fife. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I serve at your pleasure, my friend. Well, you know what is so wonderful about having your passion and also your ability to speak to these issues with such knowledge. It just makes you the most wonderful ambassador for America Humane that we could ever imagine, Carolyn. We're so proud to know you. But I have to share with our listeners something, a fun fact. How about fun fact? Uh oh. Flying trapeze artist. (laughs) I love that about you. Yes. After all the heavy conversation, we need to laugh for just a minute so we can breathe because we've just talked about the the biggest problems we have. So let's let's take a quick segue and pivot. Share with our listeners why you decided to become a flying trapeze artist. Uh, Flying trapeze (laughs) artist. I had to learn. There are basically sort of two two kind of basic versions of the trapeze. One is the flying trapeze. And the other is the hanging or static trapeze. You see a lot of that in Cirque du Soleil where the artist never leaves the bar but just does really, really pretty things on and under and over it. And I had to learn that for a production of Comedy of Errors way, 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 way back when and discovered the word trapeze and that and then from there moved to the flying trapeze and it was really a never look back kind of situation. So yes, I try and fly at least twice a week. Sometimes I don't get to it for three weeks in a row and then I have to almost relearn everything I've ever learned. But it is the most exhilarating exercise. It's it's just tremendous fun. It helped me conquer my fear of heights because if you can if you can literally take a swing off of a trapeze platform up at, you know, twenty five feet, thirty feet up in the air, you can do anything. And then the first time that you swing with no safety lines attached, that's so much fun because you feel like you just want, you know, your Ringling Brothers or your Cirque du Soleil contract. It's like, where's my contract? I'm the best thing in the whole world. And it gives you such an incredible education and such a respect for the ones who can really, really do it well. So, yes, I've progressed enough that I can call myself a trapeze artist. I'm not. Uh, I'm not great, but I can do it. <laughs> you are the Renaissance woman. You can do everything. I think that's so amazing. And and you will not see me on a trapeze anytime soon. With, with I could not. I don't know. Not <laughs> Good know. Next time it. you're out in Los Angeles. Next time you're out in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I love it. I love it. Well, Carolyn, thank you for the best afternoon ever. Just sharing, uh, you know, your thoughts uh, with our listeners. I know we'll provide them. 
food for thought on how to do the right thing for animals of all species. And I hope this serves as a call to action for so many to become educated about the sixth mass extinction, to understand better what it is to be humane in the space of conservation and how we can continue to uplift those noble and laudable zoos and aquariums who are doing the right thing by saving species, how we can ensure that all animals are humanely treated in their care. And I think our initiative at American Humane is a first start and also more conversations like we just had to inspire others to do more is part of the solution, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. And reaching as many people as possible. Just reaching as many people, even with it's even if it's just a few a few choice words, words that you know, that will that will sort of get in through that matrix. Everyone sort of has a kind of a matrix surrounding them when it comes to information and education. And then when the slots line up and you can get that arrow through, that's when change occurs. So you know, so we're just trying to we're trying to get through everyone's matrix. Trying to get through just trying to get those arrows through through the slots. Very, very true. Well, Carolyn, on behalf of all of us at American Humane, thanks for serving as our ambassador. We're honored and proud to partner with you, and we look forward to a great year ahead fighting for the animals. It's my honor. It's absolutely my honor, my privilege. So thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you've been, I'm sure, enjoying this incredible episode of Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back after this brief message. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I'm a U.S. Air Force member stationed overseas, and we have three rescued mutts. Stone Phillips was to be euthanized. There were bacteria crawling all over his skin. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. He was in constant misery. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. We started feeding him the Dynavite, and his skin, it's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He's not in pain. Stone is in excellent shape today. He runs, stays slim and trim, and follows my husband around like he worships him. I would highly encourage you to get a rescue dog and start him out on Dynavite right from the beginning, and they'll make such a difference in your life. Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Or go to Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. We wear fur and we're damn proud of it. What? And our four legs and our tail and we go to the bathroom outside. Well, we may not be too proud of that. (laughs) Sniff around, then mark your spot right here. Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Well, friends, this is Dr. Robin Gansert, and you've been listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. 
You've listened to Carolyn Hennessy, an American Humane National Ambassador. You know Carolyn through her incredible roles. She's been in Cougar Town on The Terminator, Legally Blonde 2. She's been on the Disney Channel, which I know many of you have kiddos that have seen her on the Disney Channel. She was Mrs. Chesterfield and Jesse, a really adorable show. You've also seen her in General Hospital, one of my mother's favorite shows, and she just gave us a little plug that Diane's coming back in General Hospital in a bigger and better way. I love that. And of course, I loved her in True Blood, HBO's acclaimed series. You know what's so wonderful about Carolyn? She's a passionate animal rights advocate. She's passionate for keeping animals in our lives. She's passionate about the human-animal bond. And she's really an incredible expert in what it is in terms of being humane in Susan Aquarium. So we're honored to have her serve as our ambassador and honored to have her share with us today her thoughts about saving the species on our planet. I hope it does serve as a call to action for you to learn more about the sixth mass extinction. And if you would like some additional resources, I encourage you to visit our new website, humaneconservation.org. And I've written a white paper on that site that I hope you will download and take a few minutes to read about the arcs of hope, our last chance to save species on our earth you know we've just wrapped up the month of october we've just wrapped up halloween and you know when i think about the month of october i really remember adopt a dog month as our top priority also our hero dog awards which is my special night of tv that i love every year well in adopt a dog month in october you know we like to remind folks that it's so great to open up your hearts and homes to a new best friend But I also like to take a moment to say, just because it's November doesn't mean we we can't open up our hearts and homes for a best friend. Every month, every year, we should really see how we can bring home more healthy and wonderful and adoptable animals that are in our shelters every day. I want us to not forget the senior shelter pets. There are so many reasons why dogs over the age of six or seven make ideal furry family friends and family members. They tend to be less rambunctious than younger dogs. They're a great fit for people with busy lifestyles. They're so grateful, I can tell you, for a second chance at life. They will love you unconditionally. And did we mention to you that they're often already house trained? Hooray! These older shelter pets make incredible best friends, best forever friends. And I hope you will consider taking home an older shelter pet today. Laura Coffey is our good friend at American Humane. She's the author of the best-selling book, My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts. I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book, be inspired, and consider November as your Adopt-A-Dog Month, too. This is Dr. Robin Ganser. You've been listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Thanks so much for joining us for this exciting episode with Carolyn Hennessy. Tune in next week for a brand new episode with my wonderful friend, American Humane National Ambassador, Allison Sweeney. Remember this week and every week to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.